Hi, everyone. Happy to be back on Contingent Workforce Radio, brought to you by Beeline, the world's first extended workforce platform that enables total talent visibility and compliance for the entire workforce. My name is Erica Novak. I'm VP of Executive Management here at Beeline. I'm thrilled about this 2023 lineup coming your way. I'm super excited to speak with Lou Holcomb, UKG's Senior Manager for the Global Talent Acquisition Operations and Programs. Lou, that is an incredible title. Um, So I'm thrilled to speak with you. Welcome to the podcast. I've been really honored to work with you over the past year, but please introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I'm really excited to be here with you. As you've shared, I've been a CWPM for about 18 months now after staying probably too long in the staffing industry, which I like to say I fell into accidentally, but it turns out I really do love building workforce solutions. So the agility of contingent workforce gives me the ability to be creative. I find it complex and challenging, really intriguing. So, you know, I always enjoy any opportunity to nerd out with you. So (laughs) I've been looking forward to this. Excellent. And I'm excited for this topic because I really think it's going to resonate with every CWPM out there. Historically, our industry loves to chat about global roadmaps and implementations and grand plans. And we typically do it from a, here's a success I've had, follow my plan, right? It's very much a, look how good I've done, follow in my footsteps. But in reality, every program owner has had things go wrong or not according to plan or not to the expectations they set. And we don't really highlight that. We don't talk about what happens when we fall down and how do we get back up? And so I'm really grateful to have you share your story because it shows listeners that there's greatness that comes from this type of, let's just call it, it's hard learning, right? Mm -hmm. And that bouncing back from it actually pushes us, right? So if you're trying new things, if you're going outside your boundaries and your known abilities, it doesn't always go as planned, but if you rise up again, And as you push forward, that maturity comes and like really maturity typically comes from tough experience, not just good ones. So I love this because I think it is incredibly real. I think everyone is going to be able to say, oh yeah, I had something like this also happened to me in this way. And so I love your story because it's inspiring of how do you move beyond when things don't go as planned? Let's get into it. Yeah. So Lou, set the stage. Can you share a little bit about your current program and what was this new problem or new thing you were trying to solve for? Sure. So the ask at a high level was to support a new stakeholder by filling what's a high volume wreck of short-term entry-level light industrial roles. And I think most of the challenges that I had to solve will sound all too familiar to most CWPMs when you work with a new stakeholder. So our supplier base didn't include a supplier for this new skill set that we needed. And sometimes the change management can be rocky leading up to an introduction of a new stakeholder. So you might not start off on the right foot. Everybody doesn't always nail that. So there's a sense that the stakeholder didn't necessarily choose to use your program, right? I'm sure you've been there too, right? It's just completely unknown to them. So the pricing structure, the recruiting strategy, everything is something that we're going to have to educate about. And they don't always show up ready to buy into your program. Maybe they think this is happening to them and not with them. And in this case, we have no data from prior years. So we're starting from scratch. So it's a new owner, kind of a new industry. Yeah. So the program now is really set up to support more professional IT roles. And these are light industrial. So there's no light industrial supplier within the program because it's never been a need 
And then the model for their work is it has really significant deadlines that hold hefty fines. So that brings really difficult schedules, operating around the clock, multiple locations, just a lot of complexity in this type of work. And not to mention, we have a short ramp, just a few months notice. (laughs) So a lot of challenges, but I live for these big puzzles, right? So starting out, I'm like, challenge accepted. (laughs) No, and I, I think you're exactly right. I've yet to meet someone who's like, you know what? We want you to do something new and you have six to nine months to prepare for it. <laughs> it is always a weeks or months of, well, you have this program. Don't you have something like this? And the answer yeah. is no, right? Not really, mm-hmm. kind of possibly give me more information. So I think our industry talks a lot about time to fill, right? And Mm -hmm. programs are always trying to reduce time to fill, but that's not what you're saying. We have hard deadlines. Time to fill Mm -hmm. is a nicety. This outcome must occur. And you back that up by saying, so therefore we will have to have this many people working this many shifts to make sure the outcome. So it's a very different metric than time to fill. For sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's really high volume, which we're not used to, (laughs) but this isn't a part of the business that just can't deliver. It's not, oh, it'd be nice if we were ahead of schedule. (laughs) This is a difficult deadline that you just can't miss. The urgency can't be understated. The importance can't be understated. We have five to eight weeks to meet a deadline for tax season. So you have to deliver. Okay. So knowing that you're right, you don't hedge away from a challenge. You lean in harder than anyone that I know. I have someone new that I can impress. I can work with here's an opportunity for me to expand my program. How did you go about trying to do discovery and planning in a short period of time to work with this team? We dove in, right? We listen, we start learning. We're just searching for understanding. We're asking those probing questions, really trying to understand the positions and just the complexity of what the managers are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. We need to learn fast, right? We also just educate about what to expect from the program and set those expectations about what we're going to need from their team to be successful, because this is a partnership. We're going to work together here. When managing the intake and offering recommendations and building that strategy together as partners, I really think we take advantage of the opportunity to build confidence with them in our program. So when you're managing the intake, building the attrition into the targets, building out a screening process, designing a recruiting strategy, building timelines, we're checking all those boxes. We're trying to operate as a strategic thought partner. We're bringing data, we're leveraging our expertise, and the stakeholder can start to see why these programs are valuable. So that's great. We're taking advantage of that and we're trying to flip what can show up as a detractor into an advocate of your program. We would love to see that. How'd they react to the plan? I think they were excited. They saw we were putting in a lot of effort and they started to be a bit impressed by what we were able to offer when we were setting up this strategy on paper. Uh, Um, On paper. Those are my favorite quotes that you have, like everything good on paper. So before we get into what actually happened, share a little bit about your strategy on the supplier, because I think a lot of CW program owners fall Mm -hmm. into this category where you feel like you've done either good supplier rationalization or that you feel like you're generally covered. And then you have a new ask that you don't have. And so when you think about how you are looking for suppliers to help you in this, what did you do? Well, I come from the supplier side. So I feel like that perspective really helps me be a better partner as a program manager. 
Um, so I know off the bat that this is not an overly profitable project for a supplier. While it's high volume, the duration is very short. Like I said, five to eight weeks. So most suppliers are going to pass on it. And they, they do, right? <laughs> the gig economy changes are really impactful in this space. That's probably a conversation for another time. But it is a fact yeah. of the year, right? So I thought about it really deep and I thought, how can I find value <laughs> elsewhere? So I just leverage other areas of the program and I find a supplier that can do both light industrial and some ONA to make it more valuable. And then that way it was a little bit easier to find a supplier that was a fit. We also got a quick win by negotiating some cost savings for the business. So now we're really starting to feel good. We've identified the supplier they think it's brilliant that we found this creative solution to leverage other parts, right? And things are feeling good. We're turning a corner. The stakeholders see in our value. We took advantage of that moment as well. Excellent. Everyone's feeling good. We have a plan in place. Your champion is saying, okay, this doesn't seem so bad. What happened? So recruiting starts and our numbers are looking great. The process is fairly smooth. We hit our targets and we cover that attrition model that we work together to build. And even though we're being tested with high volume as a program, the administrative burden of onboarding is handled fairly well, especially considering when you have a brand new supplier learning your tool, learning your program, everybody knows those pain points, right? So I think we do it well. And on paper, we're right on target. We've executed our strategy well. I feel like there should be like a dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. Uh, stay tuned for what happens on the next episode. So it sounds like the recruitment is operating as you had hoped. Mm -hmm. Things are feeling good. When did it start to come apparent that things weren't going as well as you guys had hoped? Not until day one, when everybody's supposed to show up. So we were 75% starts to target. So what's incredible is this supplier had a 40% no-call, no-show on day one. So what we built in for attrition throughout the project is already gone. We're already behind. Oof. Yeah, it's a rough spot to be in. There was a panic and also the supplier did not have a plan for this. They didn't have a pipeline of backfills ready to go. They didn't have back-end support to chase those no-shows. And then also the backup supplier that I thought I had organized had misunderstood the ask because they weren't ready for this either. Luckily, the team was on site to manage the solution of most of these issues and try to get us back on track, but definitely not a great day one first impression to say the least. And time passes as the project moves on and it just starts to fall behind again because attrition and attendance are awful. So we have this deadline that's quickly approaching and it got worse for a while. And it really felt like that quicksand moment where you just can't get a win. So as things are going wrong, and I think the example of quicksand is so spot on. I think a lot of us can understand like it's not one thing that goes wrong usually. It's almost everything in this slow moving what else could go wrong moment? And it does. So I think quicksand is exactly right of, I just continue to sink and I'm the one who's supposed to be helping everyone else. Who's helping me? So as these things are going wrong, there's no shows, no calls, supplier doesn't have a background. Everyone's eyes are big and the managers are looking at you. What are you doing? How did you course correct? Or how did you change the support ideas? That moment is all too familiar, I'm sure, for a bunch of people. But when the stakeholder presses that panic button, you got to fly out. 
I literally flew out next day. Yeah. I showed up with an action plan for engagement and retention. We determined the drivers of the absenteeism and the attrition. We start to drive engagement activities with incentives and events. And we have increased touch points. And I start getting better data. I'm looking at in-depth reporting. We have regular check-ins with the team and everybody that's touching this. And also I have the suppliers come back and be on site to be accountable and manage these issues in real time. So even though the attrition start to slow because these triggers started working and attendance improved, the business is still just feeling something totally different than what my data showed because they're in a backlog. They're still catching up. The importance of being on site just cannot be overemphasized here. We got feedback that it felt better just being able to see how hard we were working to help them and how dedicated we were to see this through. We communicated, we're here to take this pain off of you so that you can deliver to your stakeholders. <laughs> it's extremely valuable to observe what this looked like, which was to my untrained eye, kind of controlled chaos. But I really got to understand the operation better in the worst of times, which was just beyond valuable whenever we move forward and try to solve for future state and make recommendations for what we could do better. We pull all the right triggers and it turns out overcorrect. <laughs> we ended a few days early. We save on some overtime costs. So by the time I fly home and the project finishes, we got there. There's nothing like seeing, right? And now that we're through some of the hard COVID days where it was just impossible. Now, I think everyone's still in budgetary issues right now, but there is an ability to say, no, 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 we have to do this. Especially because you said there is a deadline that we have to hit. There's penalties and fines, but the ability to show the business that you were working on it rather than just assume or hope that you are when you're yeah. in a different state or different area, I think is actually huge because you had talked about what an impression that was for them. Yeah. I had this data that said we were getting better and yet they're not feeling the better. They're just feeling the pain of we're not going to make it. And so, well, whatever technology you use, whatever spreadsheet you use, the triggers were working, but not fast enough. Like putting yourself in the shoes of the actual business becomes really paramount. So you don't say, oh, we, we won. We're, we are a couple of days early. Isn't this a win? And they are literally exhausted and not feeling like it's a win. So yeah, we have no penalties. We made a deadline, but they don't feel like it's a success. Talk a little bit more about the mindset of the business when you were chatting with them of what they felt afterwards, of how the progress went. That's kind of how it felt to me too. It was like, we failed successfully. I'm not sure, right? <laughs> we hit the target by the deadline and the triggers that we pulled worked. We managed it through to the end. And the business could see with their eyeballs where my priority was and my commitment, which was great, but it felt awful. Yes, technically, if you look at the data, just tells that story of a accomplishment. We made it, we met the deadline, the budget is fine if you want to present it that way. But it was a terrible experience for our stakeholders. And that's what matters because next year when they're opening the VMS to put these recs in again, I really want them to feel confident that their needs will be met and not just brace for impact because they have to work with me. So we did a postmortem. We got all the right parties in the room or virtual room, if you will. <laughs> Anyone and everyone that touched this workflow was there. I thought that was really important. I didn't want to filter the stakeholder feedback and I wanted the supplier to hear it straight from the source and feel a sense of ownership in this project. So we made sure we heard everybody's grievances and I made everybody part of the solutioning. So we solved for a lot that really applied to this part of the business together 
as a team. I think that's really good. But as an overachiever that you are, you didn't just stop at the postmortem. Doing the postmortem makes a lot of sense. You hit on words like accountability. Everyone's got to see the pain, the terror, the fear. You want to listen. They understand what, what they thought went wrong or whatnot. Most people, I think, are able to like dust their hands off and say, all right, on to the next. That was great. We're fine. But you didn't do that. So let's talk about what you did further. Well, first, I really just sat in that failure. I sat in it and I felt it. People say to not make things personal, but I kind of disagree. We put a lot of ourselves into what we do. And if I'm going to feel proud of my work, I'm sometimes going to feel bad about it because I'm not perfect. And I took a hard look at what I could do better. I questioned myself, did I make the wrong choice of supplier? Why didn't I ask about this or that? Or I should have built this differently. I was very hard on myself, (laughs) but since I'm not perfect and I don't know everything, I reached out for guidance. I'm lucky enough to have an absolutely insane group of CW peers that lead just incredible programs across the globe. And they really challenge me. And honestly, I think being worse off is sometimes a good thing. If this would have went better, I probably wouldn't have been inspired in the way that I was to design a bigger, better solution and leverage this moment. That's exactly right. It's a weird part of a hero's journey. Typically, everyone loves the hero's journey at the end, but the hero's journey story really is at that bottom, right? We've all beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's all on me. What could I have done? I'm so silly, right? And you need your peers to help you out or gut check you. They're like, yeah, actually, that was a miss. Yeah, for sure. But I think the inspiration is what's important on that. The mm-hmm. idea of saying, all right, yep, I'm taking the blows. I could do better. Sure, I know enough. But let's talk a little bit about how you, you took that and then said, all right, I want to build a broader solution. So talk a little bit about what you learned about how that team had historically used technology to understand attendance and what you said, of, all right, how I can think this further for this team and others. So the gap was visibility, exactly what you're saying. In a production style of environment, you need a way to see what you're working with each shift for capacity planning. And it's very difficult for managers that have a high volume of contingent workers to approve and track time without real-time access, to review and approve. And we hadn't really solved for those issues because high volume production was not a part of our stakeholder population. But it's a huge miss that I didn't think of to ask and the stakeholder didn't think to share. We just didn't know what we didn't know. We did set expectations in the beginning of this is our first year. It might not be perfect. We're going to learn from this and build and get better every year. A little disclaimer, right? Yeah. Remember that asterisk I made? Don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we completely missed that this group leveraged an internal tool to manage the workforce prior to using the contingent workforce program. So how am I going to handle this? I really looked through all the feedback from the postmortem and I went through with a fine tooth comb, actually a highlighter. And I highlighted all the trends and kind of what that solved for. And it was the majority of the issues that it would have had an impact. So how am I going to implement this? Basically, the stakeholder is like, just implement this solution for us, right? Simple. But instead of solving for individual pain points, we need to look at things holistically when we're designing solutions that work for any program's future needs. So if I'm going to solve this, I'm going to future-proof it. And also, I'm going to use it to add value to the program everywhere, not just this business area. We needed consistent global approaches, not a carve-out solution 
So we decided let's implement this internal technology solution across the entire program. What does that internal technology do? It gives the stakeholders more visibility into their workforce in real time so they can see who's clocked in so that they can better manage for capacity planning every day. I think that's important to call out because I think most people who are listening sometimes just assume what uh, a simple VMS does. So what you're talking about is making sure that at any given time, a manager or a stakeholder is able to see the their workforce that is clocked in. So it's really yeah. easy to understand attendance tardiness mm-hmm. and there are no shows is that right yeah and they could approve time daily which is really important because if you have a high volume if you're only doing that once a week that's difficult to keep track of and manage so of course they use that internal solution previously and it's not a part of most vmss right i think if you can leverage an internal tool in your program that's always really valuable especially solutioning that aligns with your leadership's overall business strategy and just adding value enterprise-wide by leveraging your own internal solutions is super valuable because no CW program gets very far without executive (laughs) buy-in. So when you design solutions that really align with the goals of the business at an executive level and you look within to mirror internal strategy, things start to move. I'm really lucky to be just surrounded by brilliant people. And I've built partnerships with the experts that know exactly how to influence change and implement solutions in an organization. And so I really leaned on people smarter than me (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I leveraged other teams' roadmaps and resources to build our solution into their projects. If you operate your program in a silo, you just will not have visibility or support when you need it. So if you invest in your partnerships throughout your world, That's what really made it to where I didn't feel alone in my struggle because I prioritized that. Yep. And I think for the people who have listened to our podcast for now two years, yay, (laughs) people will laugh because for the first 18 months, the podcast, and Saad used to tease me about that. It was relationship matters, relationship matters, relationship matters. And this is exactly the right answer, right? Because you have peers, colleagues, and fellows that are looking out for you and that you have visibility into what they're doing. It then becomes a very easy ask to say, hey, can you help me solve this? It's already part of that project you're working on, that project you work on. It's the same resources. So I think you did that phenomenally. Let me go back a little bit because I I just want to help thread the needle for the listeners. When Lou's talking about implementing a technology that they already had as being part of UKG, their own product, they have a mantra of eating in your own restaurant and utilizing tools that you already have across the organization. And so her solution was the idea of working with the tools they already had internally into the program. So leveraging what was already available, eating in their own restaurant and solving a problem that then this solution could be used across all organizations, not just solving the groups that she thought that she had failed the first go around. Does that feel right? Yeah, I think that should be a priority for every program because just think about your stakeholders' experience. You want the experience of your stakeholders to be consistent regardless of what their needs are. And so if you, it's bigger than our programs. You want your stakeholders to have a great experience, whether they're requesting an internal employee (laughs) through your TA team, or if their need turns out to be contingent labor right? I want to send them to the same place. I want them to have the same workflow. I want them to have the same expectations of how this is going to work and how we deliver the service to them. 
So I think it should be a priority for, for every program. I don't think that's just specific to me. I think that's everyone. I agree. It's how you work across all teams and leverage what's already in place. I love the mindset of how do I sell broadly? How do I make this really a future of our program? Not just check the box of make it better for this one time. So next year you're ready. Uh-uh. So we've hit a little bit about relationships matter because you have strong peer in, in HR, but also across, you're able to work this way into other projects. Where are you right now? We're not ready to roll it out. We're still working through it. I, I have all the right people to help me, right? So I know that what I need to give to my VMS. I know what we need to ask, the tough questions, make sure that we line out all the technical needs, because if you're not best friends with IT, what are you doing, right? <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> we just got the right people in the room. They're going to guide this. I'm leaning on people that are much smarter than me. I'm identifying the pain points, and then I'm leveraging those people. So we're not ready to roll that out. But yeah, we want to have it done in time for the next year and roll it out enterprise-wide so that we add a lot of value to our program. That is fantastic. When you tell the story internally, whether it's to your boss or to your peers about why you're doing this, successfully failing or failing successfully. How did you share the why? I feel like I didn't share it myself. I made sure that people heard it from the source, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I brought everybody together. So I wasn't filtering the pain points. I brought people in front of who it's impacting the most. And so I don't feel like I can take a lot of credit for that. I feel like I just <laughs> made the right connections and got the right people involved. I don't think it was really me. I think it was just setting the stage for the solution together. I think that's what got the buy-in that we needed was everybody. I saw the impact at the end of the line. Operationally, when we design solutions, we're thinking about so many factors. And it's actually really difficult to design something that is simple. <laughs> And I think oftentimes operationally we get in our heads, but if you just hear exactly from the end user, what they're feeling and you design a solution with that in mind at all times, whenever you're designing something, if it feels like we're getting off track, we go back to what is it that we're solving for? Remember what they said and bring that back home. So that really drives all the decision-making because um, we keep that as our kind of North star, if you will. Yeah. And I love what you said. It's not a me thing. It's a we thing. We've talked a lot about in contingent, no one really reports to you, but I have always likened us to like, we're this nucleus that we just kind of bring in the electrons, protons for all the science nerds. I'm probably doing it wrong, but the idea is we work across so many different teams that we're kind of like, you come here and you come here and you come here. And we help facilitate the conversation amongst our peers because of the strong relationships that we have that sometimes they don't have. Finance isn't always talking to IT. For this conversation, they need to. So we yeah. bring them in. The customer's not always talking to compliance or legal. And so our role ends up being almost matchmaker and yeah. counselor. And introducing new friends to one another to help solve this. And then we kind of are able to lean out a little bit as they start to have the right discussion that we need. But we get to play a catalyst in that relationship, deepens those relationships, which is great because you're solving new things in a shared manner. For sure. I think it's typical for contingent to be on the back burner of most organizations' mind. But I really think that you see trends in contingent first. So being able to leverage your perspective. If you can get the business and your peers to recognize that your perspective has value 
and you really become a voice in those strategic conversations that people lean on, it's a game changer. 100%. What's some advice you give? So knowing again, everyone has been where you are, probably different situations, but where you've just been like, oh, that felt bad. That did not go as expected. I'm used to executing at a high level standard and I miss so badly. And you turned it into such a great win, right? You sat in it. And I think everyone needs to do the worst part is blaming. No, oh, I didn't know. You didn't tell me. Stop. <laughs> Be an adult, right? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes best intentions don't pan out. Like it's okay to own it, but how you move through it. And I think how you treated your sponsors and then look to solve for a broader one is something that people should take note of. And so if you think about our listeners and giving advice to them, maybe they are in the same position where, man, this is just not working out. What would you advise them? How would you encourage them? Well, I think visibility into organizational roadmaps is just huge. So you can leverage resources and timelines that already have support by sneaking onto those roadmaps when your priorities align, which should be often if you're a good partner. And then just don't be too hard on yourself. If you are bringing those innovative solutions and designing for the future, there's going to be misses. But failure is a part of growth, as cliche as that sounds. It's really the way you respond that matters. So make those uncomfortable moments worth it and spin that feeling into something that builds value for your program. And also, y'all are awesome. <laughs> All right. That is a perfect way. Perfect note to end. Thank you so much, Lou. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I really love love working with you. Thank you for your time and have a good rest of your day. Super enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. We'll see you next time.